Yo, what's good, guys? It's been a while. Uh, how was your summer? Did you learn anything? Did you fall in love? Did you make new friends? Did you get taller? Uh, uh, I hope all of those things happened to you. And I hope all your dreams came true. Um, it's been a while. We took some time off in the summer from the podcast, uh, gathering a bunch of new content, had a couple clothing drops, had some pop-up shops. Everything's been super great, and it's been really exciting just to be able to do all this stuff. Um, this week, uh, we sat down with Kay Pequeno, who is Be More Alien on Twitter and Instagram, and then Kay Pequeno on Facebook. And uh, normally, you know, everything's a little bit lighter, but we had some pretty good talks on just race and just how things are going right now uh, in a lot of places. And uh, I think it was really good. It was really informative, a little bit, you know, heavier than normal, but I think it was a lot to think about. Um, other than that, yeah, we got a bunch of new stuff coming out. Uh, probably some more pop-up shops this fall. We've got uh, new gear dropping at the end of October. We got a hoodie dropping, and then um, at our next pop-up, we're going to be premiering some pop-ups. Exclusive stuff that you can only get there. They will not be available online, so uh, it'll be great to come out and just see everybody. Got a bunch of other events going on. Support my internet money, brothers. Um... They just dropped some dad hats that actually uh, Altwave, uh, the Altwave designed. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, support the homies. Uh, support the homie leak. Um, this feels like this feels like a weird uh, Oscar speech, except I'm allowed to go as long as I want. So uh, just shouting out the whole team. But yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for still supporting us. Uh, we've grown a lot. Got a lot of stuff going on, and I'm really excited to share it all with you guys. Uh, enjoy the episode. Keep telling your friends. Keep liking and subscribing. Smash that MF like button. And uh, have a good day. Peace. All Wave Radio, another episode. Got the homie, Kate Pequeno. That's good. Uh, coming off the, the Llama Dawn launch party show last night. Very good energy. Um, super great. So uh, let's get into it. Let's talk about kind of like growing up. Are you originally from Baltimore? Yeah. Born in um... You know where Union Memorial Hospital is on 33rd and I think it's um, Charles or St. Paul? Yeah, yeah. I was born there. I grew up in North East Baltimore. I moved over to Harper County when I was 15. lived there for about three years. Moved back here for college. Mm-hmm. Then I permanently moved back to Baltimore when I was 24. Now how old are you now? 25. 25? So you've been back in the city for about a year now? Yeah. Word. So, uh... Uh, we have just a bunch of mutual homies, uh, mainly through the Lamadon Collective. Let's talk about how did you kind of get integrated into that? How did you kind of come into contact with that? Um, do I do I leave? Um, I was doing video stuff like I do two years ago. Him and Lawrence both live on the reason why I'm the same. And I guess it kind of like intersected into like doing stuff with Dylan from Lamadon. Hmm. And I don't know, like, you know, just like, Fast friends with him and Butch and Elon everyone. I guess it was only natural, but like, you know, my spirit would be integrated into that collective. You know, if we be a member of Lambda. So what when you started when you started becoming a member, what um like what specific medias were you working with? Was it music? Was it uh like photography? Photography and video. Is that what is that what you usually are working in now? Because I know, and we'll talk about it later. That is actually what I did go to school for. for film. I because you went to Towson, right? I did go to yeah. Towson. Um, so you so you have a heavy media background then. Yeah. How was now? How was that kind of like going back again? How was that like 
growing up, were you just like fascinated with technology or like how did, how did you kind of get into art and especially video? Um, I mean, you know, being like, you know, growing up, you can't help but be into media. Like, folks who grew up watching anime, Dragon Ball Z, you know, like, media, like, always perpetually like that. But when I moved to, um, like I said, <clears throat> like I saw I did move to Harvey County, mm -hmm. and I virtually had no friends all you could really do was like all I could do all I'd spend my time doing is going back home after I finished my homework or maybe I'll be doing this while I was doing my homework was just watch movies all the fucking time watch different movies like two movies three movies a night and like guess I'm out of it to the point where I just memorized which movie I was watching who directed it what scene this dude walks in and says it's mine so that was really like the catalyst for me to get in to go to Towson University for film. And in a way, that's the reason why I'm in the Baltimore scene. Now, what, were there any particular movies that like really stood out that were influential? Oh, of course. City of God. That's actually how I got my name. Zippy Cameo is the main antagonist of City of God. Um, in English, it translates to the thing. And um, K is a nickname I've had since I moved to Hoffman County. Um, but I originally spelled it K-A-Y. And then when I was 23 or 22, I switched um, spelling to K. Kiwi, Spanish for what? And I think originally it started as a joke when I added the Pequeno at the end. Mm. But then I actually Mm -hmm. actually like yeah this is actually a cool name so I started going by Cape Pequeno officially well not officially because I didn't really change my name like yeah. on my um <laughs> driver's license it still is the name that it is but Cape Pequeno is basically my name so you talked about living in Hartford County what you know have going from like living in Baltimore and then moving you know because I actually moved from like, outside D.C. To, to, like, Western Maryland, kind of, like, that similar, like, city to country transition, and it's such a, like, a culture shock. Like, what would you say the biggest things, like, the biggest differences you noticed or, like, felt, uh, especially going from, you know, in the city and then just really sticking out in, like, a country scene? Like, wh what did you really feel? Um, well, going back on it now, like, I'm starting to realize that Baltimore is an East Coast city surrounded by a southern state. Oh, Yeah. And that ranged true because I think um, Harvard County was like my first true shock, like true experience of how like you know, rural and southern the state can be. Like I guess it was a mix of like, like Harvard County was a great blend of a suburban rural mix, and in my particular place where I lived, like we always like smack dab in the middle of farms, like just like these abundant mansions. Mm -hmm. Abundant mansions with like these large ass acres, which separated you from like your other neighbors. So like there was really no point in like making friends or like making acquaintances. You just stay inside your house, like bored out your mind, like with this whole like wealth of entitlement. Mm -hmm. And that was my experience growing up in Hawaii County, just like experiencing entitlement. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, like I feel like everyone has entitlement to a degree, but when it's like 
when you see it coming from rich white people and even like rural white people, it's a different experience because that's when you know you're truly in the minority and like your entitlement ain't shit compared to this. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning that more and more now that I'm out of Alpha County. I still go back from time to time to see my family, but I try to stay away from there like real as possible. But there's only so much they can transfer over because like, you know, we have the internet now. You still like you lurk or people hit you up and you still see that nothing's changed. Oh, you no. still have that entitlement. Like they still have that like sense of denial. I mean, I think it's very easy to have that sense of not defend it anyway, but I can definitely agree with that coming from a, a kind of similar situation where I feel like one of the things that really kind of pushes culture forward is the geography. So when you're in these spread out areas, you're not constantly faced with things where like, you know, if you're in the city, you're going to see like you're faced with the struggle. Even if it's not your struggle, you're seeing someone struggle on a daily basis. And I feel like it keeps you like grounded and conscious of like, like life's hard and like shit is re- you know shit is real where it's very easy when you're in these you know these large houses with acres around you it's very easy to get kind of in that bubble yeah, of like n- of not having you know not having any uh any like having that uh, those eye-opening experiences because i feel like that's what really pushes a lot of like the art and the culture forward is the fact that like oh shit like you know you saw someone like strung out on the in the alley like that makes you realize like wow like life you know life is precious or like you know I th- where it's very easy when you and you know when you have when you're not crunched so close together which i feel is which i feel like is why like cities like new york are just like always bustling because you're so close together that as soon as the one little thing pops off everyone hears about it which is good because i feel like good news travels fast bad news travels fast good music good you know whatever it's always it, it's, you know, it, it moves quick. Not little, not Harford County. Oh, no, no, I'm talking about in Baltimore, like in Harford County, it, there are track, you know, there are... kids that are still fucking older than me that still listen to the shit that I was, like, listening to, like, almost 10 years ago. I remember, like, Kevin put in, like, I remember being back in my, back in my, what stage do I call it? My fucking... Your adolescent. Weird black kid stage, like, just my whole like angsty bracket stage I remember just being the only person listening to the music that I was listening to I was listening to Mad Night it's about mad like punk rock mad mad Jimmy Hendrix and like I was getting so much shit for that and then I would go on Facebook now and see that those same kids that were making fun of me for that shit I listened to that same shit whereas I've already moved on from it and not to say that that music is bad because Lord knows I still listen to 90s hip hop from time to time. But I've also, like, you know, moved on and, like, realized that there's also, like, so much more music to listen to. Whereas these people, like, you can, like, stay away from them for the rest of your life, go back five years later, and realize that they're still listening to the same thing because you are the translator. You put people onto what's new. And I feel like it was really a blessing that. I only moved to Harford County as opposed to, I mean, being from Harford County, being born and raised, because I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine just being inside that bubble, like, sitting, like, having to wait for something to do something new to me. Yeah, like, you don't have that. I feel like that's really true 
in like suburb, like non-city areas. Because I even came from the suburbs. I wasn't even in the city city. And I totally like agree with that. Of like you're just kind of waiting for someone who you think or perceive as like cooler than you or hipper than you to put you onto stuff as opposed to just like going out and finding it. I feel like that's definitely like a mental block that afflicts a lot of people where they're just like, well, I can't like this until someone tells me to. It's like, no, just like go out and find it. Just like put in a tape, put in something like... I love Southern Hip Hop. I love Future. I love Young Thug. I love this whole new wave of like rap where like it's you hear them using their voices as an instrument, like riding like the sonics of triplets, and they get so much shit from it from like purists who think that like rap should be a certain way. But I honestly feel like they're like leading the evolution of Southern rap music. Because I feel like New York rap had a chance to evolve. West Coast rap had a chance to evolve. Midwest rap. Well, yeah. Midwest rap definitely because people like Danny Brown exist. Oh, yeah. So I feel like Southern rap is like... like I feel like last um, decade was just a chance for like you know them to like be a, like Because they dominated last... They dominated last time. Decades. Oh, yeah, like the early to mid-2000s. I mean, think about it. You have Outkast. You have, like, Three Sit. You have so much yeah, good... Outkast is, like, like my fathers. I feel like, I feel like Outkast really set the tone. It was, like, a great transition if you look at, like, how stylistically the 90s were to how modern hip-hop is. I feel like they look like... Like, you see that, and they're, like, a perfect, like, buffer where, like, they had that, like, that kind of, like, that funky, like, out there, like, not trying to be hard, just being, like, real... Yeah, just being themselves and, like, letting that do its thing. Where opposed to the 90s, you know, you had, like, you had that other path of, like, the... Well, I mean, even into the 2000s, you have, like, that 50 Cent, like, gangster, like have to like be on the hard shit like it's okay to just like be funky and like that's okay and like just let and that be okay and I feel like so many people who you know maybe a little bit older than us or our age like took that and ran with it and that's how you get like a young you know that's how you get a young thug or like a playboy cardi or Lil Uzi Vert like all these guys I'm grateful these dudes exist I'm grateful these little kids are doing what they want I'm grateful that they're able to like make the music they they want because that's like that's what you do when you're influenced by certain a lot of people that think that these people need, that these people don't know what they're doing and that they're trying, like, they're downgrading the state of rap music, but now we've reached the point where the music has evolved with as many subgenres, and you're gonna, it's only natural that you're gonna hear something like that, like these guys, because that's how great the genre is. Other genres are, like, rock music is dead to me. Oh, yeah. Like, if you listen to rock music in 2016, then, like, you'll. Like, if that's the genre that you enjoy listening to, well, there's nothing wrong with that. But, like, if that's, like, what you feel like that's relevant, that's not timely. No, it's not. Like, there's nothing, like, that's gonna, like, you're gonna get out of rock music that's really, like, that I can't get off, like, since rap music right now. Like, I feel like it's evolving. Rock music has already, like, had a chance to evolve. And it did. 70s, 80s, 90s. And, but now it's like, why would I be listening to where I have plenty of reasons to be listening to rap music. Oh, yeah. And it can be from any region, and I can get something completely different. Even in the city, Baltimore City, yo, like, you got, like, even in Ramadan, I'm like, yo, because even in basement rap, 
Chris Dawson is a different rapper from Plum. Sheik, who's a different rapper from Ryan P, who's a different rapper from Diligence. Oh, yeah, I mean that. Four different rappers in the same group, and they have four completely different styles. How amazing is that? Whereas if you have like a rock group. There's like a lot of overlap. Yeah. And, like, you can, like, I mean, that's why, like, I never really got into rock music that much. Like, in high school and stuff was, I just kind of saw, like, where rap music was going. And, you know, in the same year, you can have, like, a 90s throwback guy like Joey Badass. But you can also have, like, a Young Thug. And you can also have, like, a Future. And you can have so many different types of people with complete, or you could have someone like Blue out in L.A. Like, there's yeah, so many different. He's, he's amazing. Like, I love the, uh, what you is it? You listen to that York album? York was really good. Yeah, that's... Um, he, the stuff he did with Exile were probably my two favorites. There was, that was um, really good. York is my favorite, but um, stuff with Exile was Oh my gosh. I like that he did stuff with Suzy Analog. That oh, was really Suzy's tight. Suzy's so lit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I remember, because she was, uh, I feel like I talk about all the time on the, on the podcast, but like, she was one of those cats who, I don't know if she's originally from the East Coast. I think she, I don't know if she's from Philly or Richmond, but... Um, or DC she's from she's from somewhere around no she's from the south she's from but don't quote me on this she was born in Baltimore she was born in Baltimore yeah. that wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me because I remember when she was doing stuff with uh, Leland who's um, Anu and like Mind Design Obliv yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like all those cats so like to see and then I found out about Blue separately so then when you see someone like who was on the come up do someone with someone you know it's like such a great thing you're like man I'm so happy for them like when I find out uh, when I saw that like Butch did a track with Yachty mm-hmm. I was like man that's so awesome like I love I, Bitch is so great. I, I, oh man I was bumping this so hard I mean I just love that seeing um, like my friends do stuff with people that I've like found out through other means like it's so great to see that connection yeah Butch definitely has those connections and he runs with us Oh, yeah. I mean, that's why... I mean, we got so many projects coming up. I'm so excited to get on them. Um, so, let's talk about uh, that FK Twigs show. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, what about... Uh, I remember hearing about that just on social media, and then I know you were definitely, like, so hyped on it. How would you kind of describe that experience? Um, well, before I talk about that, I'm going to talk about what happened the day before. I was on Twitter, Twittering, I guess... And I just see um, her post something about, yeah, and I'm going to be doing something in Baltimore later today, Info the Cup. So I'm just like, okay, let me turn on my notifications to FK Tricks now so I don't miss the shit. Oh, yeah. Then I find out she's having this workshop over on Holland Street. I forget the name of the place where mm-hmm. it was. A dance workshop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm not trained officially, but I do know how to dance. Oh, yeah. So I was like, why the fuck not? Of course. It's free. So I like go over there, go with my friend Riss. Um, we go, we sign up, we sign those papers, we go and sign, and I just see Twix just chilling over there, like as if she's like, there's no one surrounding her, there's mm. like no like security. Mm. It's just her and her dancers, like hip hop is playing, like you know, and then like at some point, one just starts dancing, and one just starts showing. It's beautiful, it's excellent, and it's Baltimore too. Oh, yeah. And then, like, we get right into it. Like, one of her um, dancers, one of her friends and dancers, this choreographer, and showing like, to um, one of her tracks on her EP, Melissa. And that shit was so hard. Like, I was even like, you know, like, I just said, you know what, let me try this. Oh, yeah. And, like, you know, like I said, I'm not trained, so, like, what's hard to keep up? 
there were amazing dancers that could definitely keep up, as you can see from like the show. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. But man, that was and at certain points, Twigs was in the crowd dancing with us as if she was one of us. And that was great. But um, I want to go back to that because there's something that um Twigs said. She before we started dancing, she um gave a speech about how um she said. This like involves you with me. She said it's up to us as young artists whenever there's chaos and turmoil going on because we're next to make the world a safe space. Oh yeah. And whenever there is chaos and t- turmoil, dark bushes, that's why I came to Baltimore. So that tells me that she's been like keeping her head to the ground, she's been paying attention to what's been going on. Whether it's the art scene or like just like the social injustices that's been Mm-hmm. in this city and that's like she would have my heart forever for that oh yeah I mean I feel like that's so yeah. that's so important because we talk about it all the time we've talked about it at shows we talk about it at Bell just all that stuff of just like we have to like as artists creators whatever in the city if we ever want it to be better we have to like we have to take that responsibility oh absolutely because and it is a responsibility and not everyone can handle it no, I you mean, see, like, a lot of people, like, you know, like, they're, like, mental health issues, the social anxieties. Because then everyone, like, has this, like, perfect end game to, like, the kind of artists that they want to be in the city. But, honestly, you gotta, like, let that white noise out of your head if you're really trying to make sure that you are that perfect specimen and that perfect, like, representative of an artist in a scene. Art scene, music scene, whatever. That shit overlaps all the time, anyway. Oh, yeah. And FK Twigs is a shining example of that. Started out as like a dancer, transitioned to performance artist, into a musician, and look at him now. Like, who would have, like, t- and she should be a lot bigger than she is, and she is a lot bigger, like, in my mind. And then she just has a fucking food workshop in Baltimore. Hmm. Um, I have this friend who thought they were like exploitative. He changed his mind ever since then, but. It shows, like, actually, I feel like it actually shows how petty the bookers in Baltimore are as opposed to her. Mm-hmm. Because look how easy she was able to get that for us. And whereas if I was able to request that, like, how hard is it for, like, us to even get shows, like, you know, just being here? Yes, yeah, like, it's, like, it's The awesome. only reason, like, we're still able to do shows, like, in the stage of is just because of our gracious and all this grind that we've been doing for a couple of times. But, like, look at somewhere, like, at um, Metro Gallery or stage where we don't really get that opportunity because yeah shitty ass bookers don't care about the city oh yeah care about money yeah it's all about a check but I mean I digress I digress let's move on to the sh- like we can go on for that oh of all course. day yeah we can talk about how fucked up everything yeah. is forever but um so then the next day comes I find out that Travis Scott gets pulled from well doesn't ain't performing and I'm not going to lie, I'm a Travis Scott fan, but I'm a big FK Tricks fan. So, despite the fact I was disappointed, I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go. Got these free tickets anyway. Oh, yeah. Let's get it. I go, kind of drunk, see Black Saw performing. I see my friend, I do, who ended up calling me in the scene performing too. Both of them killed it. I was really, like, happy for both of them. Mm-hmm. Like, it was an amazing experience seeing, like, two of my friends just up on stage opening for my one of my favorite 
Mm-hmm. Lala gets on stage afterwards. She kills it, and it's really great to see because she deserves to open up for FK Twins. Mm. She definitely deserves it. Like, I'm glad that Lala got that experience. Um, my little brother was there. Not on stage, but my little brother was there, 16 years old. It's funny because um, for, like, a little kid, he's, like, smart and into, like, the same music I was. Mm-hmm. I am. And I can't hang out with this little kid because I'm drunk and he's just, like, I don't want him being around this kind of vibe, so. I just text him about the show, but then Joyce comes on and I'm like, like I said, I'm, like, I have this film background, so, like, always into, like, film aesthetics and just, like, this, like, the lights, there's a lot of red, there's a lot of white, there's a lot of strobes, and Twix is just, like, she's the controller of her own universe. That's how I felt, like, watching that, just, like, of movements, I feel like it was just, like, an audio, it was just, like, the world at the moment was reacting to Twix, whatever she did, she was just controlling it. If she would have said that the world needs to stop, the world would have just stopped immediately. If she said, like, let's have the world spin two times faster, then we'll just bump two times faster. Just, like, and, like, dancers, too, like, they were killing it as well. Like, seriously, like, they had the whole crowd dancing to, like, trip-hop mixed with dance-off. And, like, yo, who does that, yo? <laughs> In Baltimore. Like, and I feel like that's, like, what's great about Baltimore. Like, they understand. I feel like we all have a little bit of tweaks inside of us where we all are just, like, the soul controllers. And I feel like she was, in that instance, I can't speak because I've only seen her in the city. Yeah. Nowhere else. <clears throat> her energy was just responsive. And after her show, um, she had some of the dancers from the workshop yesterday, and they, they all killed it. Mm-hmm. I'm happy for all of them. Oh, yeah. It was an amazing experience. Like, shit, just seeing her two days in a row mm-hmm. was enough for me. So I'm pretty sure in their, like, experience, like, yo, they're probably still high off the strength of, like, meeting, being on the same stage, just being a part of a set. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. <laughs> Yo, Tuesday and Thursday, that was like... That, those two days alone made my week last week. Uh, what would you... What do you think a show and like a performance like so intimate and like so personal, what do you think that does for the city of Baltimore when like someone of that magnitude like comes to the city and just shows like that, like really like pure love like that? It just shows... And the only thing that's keeping us from doing something like that is money and access. Because, like, think about it, y'all. How much more money would we have? How much more resources would we have? How much more shows would we have? How much more exposure would we have if we went to somewhere like Brooklyn, Atlanta, LA? Because they have more money. The city is the greatest city in the United States. Well, the city is the greatest city, period. But we still have lack of access. And that's not our fault. Mm-hmm. That's the politician's fault. That's the cop's fault. That's the book's fault. But the shit that we do, mm-hmm. despite 
resources that we have. Mm-hmm. It goes to show how much more we could do if we did have those resources. Mm-hmm. So, so do you do you see that as kind of a like by by showing what you can do without that as kind of not like a plea or anything, but just like as a as a as a point of awareness to just say like, hey, if you just give us a like, look at what we've done with nothing. If you give us a little bit, we can do so much more. Absolutely, and it's good to like have like nothing. I feel like if you have everything. I feel like a shining example of that would be. I mean, the biggest example I can think of is, I see it all the time. When you look at a lot of artists that come from, you know, rough, either like social or economic backgrounds, uh, whether it be artists, athletes, whatever, I feel like there's a higher percentage of that because there's less falling back, you know, there's less, um, there's not like a safety net yeah. because you're, you're, forced, you're forced to succeed because failure is not an option. Like, when you grow up in a rough, you know, when you have a rough, up, you know, upbringing, you're like, I have to put on for my family, for my team, whatever, because I can't fail because we can't go, like, there's nothing, there's nothing if we fail. And I feel like where if you come from, like, maybe, like, a posh, more, like, comfortable upbringing, you're like, well, I can do it, and worst case, I just do, you know, like, I feel like that, you know, that without having that safety net or that safety valve, it forces you to, you know, to be, you know, you're on. And I feel like that's that's something I see all the time where when you see like these suburban or like rich, whatever, like designers, rappers, artists, you, you lack that like that X factor because it's not like you don't have that passion. It's just a hobby. And like having art or creativity as a hobby is fine. But when you try to like make it a part of your lifestyle or you try to act like you're about some life that you're not, I feel like that really shows in your work, you know, that shows in your work that you're not, you don't have that, that like that killer instinct, you know, because... It's like, I mean, I see it as like, I talk about it with my family. It's that Malcolm X gene, you know, it's like that by any means necessary. Like, we got to get this because if we don't, we're fucked. And I feel like that's something that's really, really important to the culture as a whole, just the creative culture. And I mean, I feel like that's a huge, huge thing. Like, that's something I see all the time, like, in art in general. Um, Kind of talk about uh, a big reason why I wanted to get this done, even though, I mean, because we've been hanging out for a while now, but is... Uh, just we follow each other on social media and the um, this kind of the stance you've taken on all the social injustices lately you're definitely like of all of the homies one of the more outspoken ones what um, what do you feel that your obligation as an artist um, like how do you feel like that interacts with your obligation like as like a conscious you know like black men in the city you know being targeted to an, you know, being targeted by these things, like how do you feel like that overlap comes into play? In late 2014, my sister was in a serious accident, and her daughter, my niece, was in the back seat of the car. Mm-hmm. Um, my niece should be dead by now. Mm-hmm. She died on the scene. They resuscitated her. She um, was in a comatose state. She was in a coma for like weeks. Then like she like is like was in this vegetative process. She's still recovering, by the way. She's still like overcoming.
living on wings now. And um, there was this point in like maybe like February or January of last year when I was like, right, I'm not gonna like be outspoken. I'm just gonna like create art <laughs> and let it speak for myself. But then this funny great thing happened. <laughs> realize that that shit like I have to like I'm never gonna like be able to like police my thoughts I'm never gonna like, have this ability to like say like keep myself from speaking like and if I keep a bottle up it's just gonna be like a mess for me so I might as well put it out somewhere I might as well like either put it out on social media tell it to my friend just somewhere <clears throat> but at the moment like I was always in a constant state of movement so I was like talk to people like, like as much as I could so Facebook Twitter Instagram well not Instagram Instagram is for the narcissism and so I would just make these posts that I felt and I guess it resonated with people like and that's cool but I honestly I feel like it's just like something that anyone can do <laughs> because shit people do it better than me I'm not I just say how I feel at the moment. Gets likes, gets retweets, it gets slander, it gets hate. Because all lives matter, apologies, angry at me, louder. And my message is talking about you're hurting my feelings. I don't care, honestly. Like, it's fun at times, it's frustrating. It's gonna keep happening. Yeah. The post. Living in the city, being like, a black artist, a socially conscious black artist is kind of bullshit because I don't know what conscious means. Like, I feel like that applies just to, like, if you can think, then you're conscious. Like, I've been in all areas of the city, and even the most strung out, homeless, destitute, Civilian of Baltimore knows what's up with like Freddie Gray, with like police brutality. And I don't know, like, you know, like the general population would not use the word conscious to apply to them, but they know what's up. And at certain times, they know what's up more than everyone else. They know what's coming, they know what's going, they know what's been. Do you think that, like, using the term conscious is like, I feel like we all you know, to an extent, know what's up, do you think what kind of makes you conscious or what would describe you as conscious or woke is, like, acknowledging it? Because I feel like we... I mean, I feel like anyone with a brain can see that, like, things are fucked up. And I feel like... I mean, we pro- we have mutual friends, you know, in the creative scene that just choose to kind of act like it doesn't exist or just pretend it's not a factor. Well, it's in, when it's in your face all the time, you just can't help it. But, like, acknowledge its existence. And you gotta react to it. Um, but to answer you, I don't even remember what the question was. I just remember we started talking about it. just like what. Oh, just the idea that um, actually this transitions into a better question that I was thinking of. Um, you talked about in you know late twenty fourteen and just choosing to kind of not say anything and choosing to like not speak your voice. Do you feel like you know we both went to the same school? We both spent a lot of time probably in the art building, you know, in that kind of like that art that artsy bubble, you know, of college. Do you feel like? It's very. Do you feel like a lot of times you have 
I feel like in the art community, it's very easy for people to get stuck in that bubble. And I mean, Micah is a great example of like, Micah's, you know, Micah's very close to a lot of like very troubled neighborhoods. And I feel like it's, it's very easy to kind of be in the, uh, in that bubble of we're, we're artsy, we're aware of the, you know, we're aware of it, we know about it, but choosing not to act on it for fear of, you know, social slander or whatever do you, I, I feel like that is a huge problem with like the college scene now is like I feel like plenty of kids in that age group know like no shit's fuck like know the statistics of you know black men being targeted or whatever you know they I feel like they know what's up you know everyone knows what's up but I feel like a lot of times you have that like pseudo you know that pseudo activism or pseudo like wokeness of it's easy because it's cool to look woke or it's cool to be hip to shit but no what are you doing about it I feel like to anyone that's listening to this, if you cross the street, if you look down at your phone, if you like get this fear whenever you see a black person walking towards you when you're walking down the street, and then you go home and you like type Black Lives Matter or you make a hashtag of another deceased black person and you're a fucking hypocrite, I want nothing to do with you. I don't ever want to see you. I have nothing. I'm just don't consider you a human being. I don't believe you. And I do see a lot of that. I see a lot of people that like pretend they care, but like you know they don't. Like, it's only just from the comfort of their computers. And I do acknowledge the fact that Dana is an extension of like, real life, but at the same time, they're not in our communities helping out. You know, you have opportunities to come over and see what's going on. You have the opportunities to befriend the people in the communities. But you don't. Mm-hmm. And that's a choice. And I see that choice. And you should be called out on it. That's how I feel. And I understand that you have this bubble. You have like all this shit going on in your life that you can use to like excuse that. And I see that and I say I don't care. I mean, like we said, it's a responsibility. You know, it's a it's, it's a, a responsibility, responsibility, and you don't get black to people like are forced to have. Whereas you have the opportunity to not have that, and you choose not to have it. But on the end, that you just act all sideways as if you care. Like, I'll give you an example. Actually, on July fourth, there was a show that was going on. Upstairs, I was called upstairs because someone needed help. There was, apparently, there was some dude with a racist tattoo upstairs just like hanging out. And him and his girlfriend were rightfully being told to get out. And they were just crying. I get upstairs, I try to handle everything. He's like, please, like. And they refer to my like roommate as like a large person. She's not even large. She's rightfully telling you to get the fuck out of my house because we don't give safe haven to racists where I live. And I asked my other friend about them and they said, um, yeah, they've always seemed socially aware. And I was like, really? But then I think about how many times I've seen these people around like black people or like people of color. No, they're always around white people. White people have that luxury. They do. They do have that luxury to, like, say that they care, but, like, you know, their friends are racist. 
family members are racist, people that they work with are racist, and they don't call them out on it. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, people are always forced to check their bigotry, and rightfully so, check, like, you know, if they're, like, you know, their friends are racist, well, like, people can't be racist. If their friends are, like, prejudiced, if they're, like, family members are prejudiced, and all that shit, we're forced to check on that shit. White people, they don't have to be forced. And, it should because it's white people's shots and like bigotry. I'm not. I'm one black. White people. So you touched on the, con- and after this we can go into, um, the melanin free. But you talked about the concept of black people can't be racist. What are your thoughts on that? Like, how would you outline that? Well, though? race centered around power. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Racism. Cannot exist about power and structure. And in this country, where black people are like 12.7% of the population, mm-hmm. we can't be racist. Like, we can be prejudiced. But what can we do with our prejudice? We can't lock you up. We can't get, keep you from getting jobs. We can't keep you from making friends. We can't keep you from moving in a certain area. White people can though. Yeah. What 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 are your thought two two like closing questions? Because we can definitely end this on a way more positive note. Um to do you think that blackness is binary or do you think that there are degrees to blackness? It's definitely degrees to blackness. Degrees of black um it's an experience. Experience that's different for every black person. What are your thoughts that this is just like there's no answer to it, but what are your thoughts on the fact that, like, it's noticed throughout cultures that regardless of, like, race, the darker the skin that's you, like, people with lighter colored skin are traditionally treated better, regardless of race, even in, like, degrees of, even in, you know, Caucasian people or Asian people, like, those that are darker are consistently found to, like, receive worse treatment socially. What are your thoughts on that? Well... I do believe that light skin, black skin, you are black because blackness is a culture. It's always as as much to do with your culture as much as it does your phenotype. <clears throat> but yes, colorism does exist, and anyone who doesn't acknowledge that is in denial. So yes, like of course, like you know, the like closer you look to white, like the less treatment, the, the less harsh treatment. Not to say that you'd be treated like you're white because don't be fooled, like, you know, you're still black and they still know you're black. They don't consider you white if you're light-skinned. Do you think, when you say, now when you say they, do you think that's white, all white people or the white powers that be or what? Oh, yeah, definitely the white powers that be. Be, So. I know that there's, like, good white people. I know there's white people that care, but, like, you know, remember that, like, this is, like, a structure. This is a system. Oh, Yeah. I mean, and I feel like when you get to a system like that, I mean, I feel like so many of these these incidents that have come up are just are generated to divide to divide people because I feel like that's that's really the only true way to like, and you know I think a lot of time people argue on who needs to take the steps to 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 unite when really if you just shut the fuck up and like work together that's that's gonna do more work than well you know white people saying this or black people saying that where it's really just like okay at the end of the day like we all 
we all go six feet deep. We all bleed red. Like, let's just come together and, like, make it happen. I feel like that's a huge problem right now. Um, but, yeah, let's, let's totally... That was very, uh, very dark. Um, but, I mean, that shit's real, and I feel like that's important. Exactly. Like, it's not, it's, it do, it's not, you know, to act like it doesn't exist is an injustice to the culture. The fact that, like, you know, it's fun to be like, oh, we're going to talk about, you know, you can talk about, like, programs or, like, cool, like, music we like or, like, funky clothes and shit. But at the end of the day, like... You know, we're going to, you know, we can go our separate ways and to act like, you know, as much as me, someone who's trying to, like, raised by, like, black culture and trying to, like, contribute in a meaningful, productive way. Like, it would be stupid to act like you're not a black man, I'm not a white man, and we will, you know, we will get different looks from different people for just based on that. And I feel like that's, like, something that's very important and to act like, and to just pretend like to pretend like it's not a thing is, is outlandish and foolish. And I feel like that's a huge problem right now with, with, with the culture. And what, what, what advice would you give to non people of color, white people, white passing people? What, what, what advice would you give as, as an artist in the scene to people who are trying to contribute in a meaningful way without being, you know, a culture vulture or being, you know, some sort of like, I mean, culture vulture is definitely the term I use because I see it so much. Because it's such a fine, you know, it's, I feel like it's a very fine My line. advice would be, if you're intense or legitimate, then you will be accepted tenfold into the scene. If you're intense or legitimate, you probably will be accepted anyway. Now, think about that compared to the person of color who's been grinding for years who has less of a chance of being accepted, whether or not their intentions are true. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that... So I think as a non-person of color being in the music scene, I guess my only advice is make sure that you're in for the right reasons and make sure that... I mean, I think, and it even goes both ways where it's like, I feel like you also need to be aware of the fact that like, you talked about, you know, when people, you know, when people of color come with pure intentions to you looking for, you know, looking to use your, your privilege, whatever your status to help them. I feel like a lot of times people look at it as a handout. Cause right now I feel like where we, you know, this is, this will be the last kind of point I want to make on it, but I feel like we've reached this weird paradigm where black culture now is socially the most amicable whether it be you know because if you look at like the modern rock stars you've got Kanye West you've got Drake you've got future like these prominent black men whereas opposed to you know the 90s 80s 70s whatever it was all white men with a couple fr- you know fringe like counterculture figures exactly it was like counterculture but now these but now like black culture and kind of like being black or hood shit or whatever that's like what is cool so i feel like that's where you're getting all these white kids that are coming out of the woodwork to talk about how much they love future and how much they love zans and lean yeah, white kids are going to be influenced by what this well everyone's going to be influenced by what they see like now with the scene it's black excellence yeah and i mean i feel like but it's this weird thing where like so socially socially in terms of like being cool being black is the cool thing to be, but it's weird where you go into like the real world of like trying to get a job or trying, yeah. you know, the, like the, the, they the, reap the benefits and they don't see the downsides of being black. Because like I said earlier, blackness is an experience where, well, it is different for like every black person. There are some commonalities that make up the black experience. Oh yeah. Like, you know, 
judgment, the threats. I mean, just the exclusion, the just exclusion. the exclusion from events. So when you see like, so of course it's only natural to feel some type of way. You see white kids emulating black kids. I mean, black um, rappers like reaping the benefits, and they realize that they don't also take away the like they don't take the like downsides of it. There, the cons. Oh yeah, I mean black experience. Like you know, you see like some like Kylie Jenner rocking like. What is it, grades? Again, like lip injections. I know for a fact that black kids get made fun of for their lips because I was made fun of for my Look at my fucking lips, y'all. Look how large my lips are. <laughs> how often do you think I was made fun of for my lips growing up and just growing up? I mean, shit, my lips are great. That, my lips have always been great. I acknowledge like, my black beauty. But that takes time. Whereas... You see a white kid just like getting injections. It's trendy and they just get outright accepted and white kids start following them and it makes you feel alive. Definitely makes you feel alive. That is the black experience. What the black community, you have to be so many you're so many other things before like your greatness can be like explained. Like you you're a black you're a black man before you're a physicist. You can't just be you like I feel like that you can never just get your propers and like move on. It has to be this like you have to do so much more just to be recognized for the most basic things. I feel like that's a huge problem. But kind of what I was going back to, what advice would you give the um the like the youngsters that may be listening or whatever? Don't ever let white people be the reason why you stop being the shot white that you are. It's, it's okay to be a freak. It's okay to be weird. It's okay to be keep being you they will never be like they may try and emulate you but they can never be you and that's just let them try because while they see you at your present state you've already like evolved 10 years ahead in your mind mm-hmm. so just keep evolving keep pushing don't stop so Kind of like as we start to like trail off a little bit, yeah. let's talk about the uh, let's talk about Melanie Free, the, the white noise. Let's talk about the, that's like a good transition. The white noise uh, project. Yeah, let's talk about Melanie Free. Yeah. Uh, what do you want to know about? So uh, how would you how would you describe this project? Because I actually had to leave before the performance last night. Melanie Free was actually started out as a joke between my one of my best friends and my roommate Jengus, and um, I just this was actually. The night of the concert, the FK Tricks concert, where I make up a post, like, maybe midnight or a little past midnight, about how we're going to start this noise band called Melanin Free. And he just made a like, he just, like, just a whole stream of comments down on my post, just, like, making jokes about, like, what are we going to record, like, album cover, album name, and... I saw him the next day, he got a bunch of shots. And I was like, yo, don't like, you know, don't don't hurt your arm still wait, don't hurt your hand too hard, we still gotta record. And he laughed about it. We went our separate ways and um I don't oh, my homie Ronan from Brooklyn, an amazing graphic designer. I hit him up in a joking manner, it's like, what you say it's about album art? It's like I actually was. So I hate Jenga sometimes. Like, hey, what were we gonna call this album again? He said, "White Noise Boys." 
I sent him that. I sent him a picture. Like, James and I don't have many pictures together. Send him a picture of James and I. This is actually the last day of the Baltimore Uprising curfew. And I get... 20 minutes later, I get this amazing album cover art from Ronnie. I was like, oh shit. And I was like, well, I guess we can troll with an album um, album cover. But then I hit up my homie JPEG. Shout out to JPEG. I forget. Just like, um, (laughs) hey, um, we're doing this project. You want to send us beats? The nigga actually sends me beats. I'm like, okay. And conveniently enough, um, my homie Sarah, she left a laptop. I don't have a laptop at the moment. She left a MacBook. And she gave me access to use it. So I opened up Ableton. I make a noise beat. It's like, I guess we have some tracks. And then the next day, Jengis, he has free time. He comes in my studio with his guitar. We spent about Six hours, just like making beats and like just recording shit. He like plays guitar over all this beat. Like he's an amazing guitarist, by the way. He's like probably my favorite guitarist in the world. I'm biased, but he's the best guitarist in Baltimore. And we laid down about six tracks, and I threw it in the band camp. Why noise boys station? <laughs> <laughs> the station yeah. noise. Station noise, yeah. We had the station noise, Nick Knox. Melody and Fred here to justify the noise scene. That was, that was such an interesting thing, because I mean, I remember when the first post came out, it kind of like, I could tell, it was like, oh, it was like kind of a joke. And then it just like slowly like snowballed into like an actual project. I was like, man, that's so awesome. And I remember when I brought it up last night, you were like so psyched about it. Yeah. And I love when things happen like that, where it kind of just like tarts, it starts out as like a joke, and then it just like, well, I guess we can do it, and this happened, and this happened, and we'll that's fuck now. It, that's why the internet is an extension of real life. We're concerned with a joke. I'm a troll, like, as conscious, quote unquote conscious, like, as you know, I'm not really a fan of that one. As conscious as I am, I'm also a troll. It's like being Jimi Hendrix mixed with a joker. So, like, I like to say things, I like to, like, make fun of movements, things I don't necessarily agree with, like the noise scene. Noise scene is composed of, ironically, these transplants, these people that are not from Baltimore, like record these like five minute sets and them just like clicking buttons, and, like turning knobs, they call it music. So I was like, you know what? I've already had enough of like all these white kids like just taking our shine, like doing this and calling it music. Let me show you how easy it is to go into your scene do your music, make an album. I made that out like I make a joke two days before. Two days later, me and my best friend, we make the greatest noise album of all fucking time. It's like maybe 25 minutes long. So technically it's a double album, my nigga. It's a double album. We made a fucking double album noise album. And we put on band camp. And someone bought that album too, yo. Someone fucking bought that album. We're officially a noise band. How fucking ironic is that, man? the internet. Oh, I fucking love the internet, yeah. I feel like, you know, we talked about a lot of the dark shit on the internet, but the internet at the end of the day, like, when you can do things like that, 
because you know as like as we get older and now you know I, I talked about it before you got all these different camps you just got people in different spots the idea that you can like link with them that and you're not next to them and you can put things together like that's that's right. No, the key is to be on the driver's seat when you're on the make sure that you're not being controlled by the oh yeah seat. you got to be the translator that's why it was so easy to do that shit and I know Jengis is on top of his like he is also a self controller so like you know I can ask him something if it's then it's powerful to that's why it's so easy to record, bro. So like that, like I didn't even know I was as good as I am. Being uh, because I was also mixing the mastering, being like audio engineer for everything, like three eight and I feel like working with someone like James just makes things so much easier. Which leads to um the show that we just did a wind up space yesterday. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that shit was unplanned. We just take like five tracks. I like play like Click Mountains. I play for my operator like once alive. And he just like does improvised guitar. And like what the fuck, yo? Like that shit was like really riveting and people came out to see that, people enjoyed that. And like I said, it's a noise show, so automatically that was the best noise show that ever happened in Baltimore because fuck it, what talented. And we're actually from the city. We're fucking beautiful as fuck. Um, and that shit was just... I don't know. I want to just... say that... art, music is a great way to channel your frustration and your anger. So, like, if you can't speak, if you're not the kind of person to speak, let your art speak for you. Like, I did make a conscious decision to, like, at first not to, like, ever, like, talk about how I feel about social injustices, but, and yes, I did change my mind, but that's me. But I also have this ability to be a troll and, like, channel my, like, insanity into music. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is, like, an advantage that only... Trolls and aliens have, you know, especially black trolls and black aliens. Because think about like you saw like the post like like there's a certain genius to like mixing like the whitest genre besides no actually yeah the whitest genre see that makes sense with social media which at this moment is. Black identity. Oh, yeah. So, who else has done it before? No one. It's, I'm pretty sure, like, so Jenkins and I, like, we really just started something, like, just two days ago. We just started from a fucking joke, you know? Like, shout out to Jennification, shout out to Alistair Crowley, shout out to Lamont Young, shout out to Lou Reed, shout out to Lydia Lunch. But we coming for all y'all. So, as we wrap up, what uh, what upcoming projects do you have going on right now that um, you can speak on? James and I are going to record one more track before he leaves from Malaysia. He leaves from Malaysia on the 31st. I'm going to miss that, bro. But we're going to keep the Millennium Free project going on. We're probably just going to like trade shit. As, <laughs> because the internet exists. Yeah. Hey, um, what else? What other projects do I have? That actually kept me... I decided that 
as long as I have a laptop and as long as I have a brain, I'm gonna keep trying. I'm gonna try and put something out every week, mm-hmm. whether it's a video project, photography, music, or just art direction. Mm-hmm. It may not be under Ramadan. It may be under Ramadan. Mm-hmm. Because I also represent myself. I am the station of sad boy. I am the more alien. But things will continue to be put out. Mm-hmm. And so, we'll see as time goes on. Um, where can people follow you and your projects on social media? What's the best place? Um, hmm. If y'all Facebook fiends, y'all can follow um, add me on Facebook. My name is QE space P-E-Q-U-E-N-O can't be can you if you are Twitter transcender you can follow me at Alien. that is B-M-O-R-E A-L-I-E-N if you're on Instagram if you have Instagram I have no alliteration for Instagram you can follow me same handle Okay, I think. Do you have any any last thoughts, last words? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. Tetsuo is life. Tetsuo is life. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's it, man. Thanks for coming through. Absolutely. Uh.